0: I was in uh, Chinese uh, church today and uh, spending some time with the uh, Chinese congregation uh, and um, having a long chat. I, I had lunch with William, uh, who's our um, who's one of our sort of mainstays of the, uh, the the Chinese congregation. But William is actually from Malaysia, from Borneo. You were just talking through. He was talking through about the Chinese um, and uh, the Chinese Malay and uh, And he was explaining to me all the different types of Malay and chinese Malay et etc, and in the end, I was so confused <laughs> i 'm like, "Wow, this is like yeah i <laughs> 'm just glad you 're here this <laughs> just sort of iron out all the complications of uh, of all the different types of Malay you get, and Chinese, and, and, uh, so, uh, and um, the, the Mandarin, and, and uh, yeah, it's like, praise Jesus, you're here, and uh, just ministering and, and bringing such a, a, a powerful uh, ministry, seeing so many um, Chinese people saved and, and uh, empowered in the gospel, amen? Isn't it wonderful? It's just so wonderful. I was actually chatting through with one of the guys um, who is um, who is now um, ministering um, in uh, in Dublin. I was going to say uh, Berlin, but that's the wrong country. <laughs> so, and in Dublin, and he uh, he joined the uh, that we have. There's, we don't have. There is a Chinese congregation in Dublin, and he was over in the Chinese. Um, congregation there, and and just went, you know what, I just want to go to the international, and he he moved from the Chinese congregation, and now goes to the international church, Um, so they have an international church, obviously of internationals from different, um, and just really uh, is having an amazing time, but he feels like his home, he's, uh, he's Chinese, but his home, he feels like his home is Aberdeen. And uh, so as many times as he can, he comes back with his wife and his children... Uh, He's just got um, two small children. and They come back and they just they get into the house here. And he says, Pastor, I just love to come back and spend time with you here. He says, I'm uh, he's actually um, more up to date with all the uh, series that we do um, than than the Chinese congregation because they they would just follow what's preached on a Sunday in the one service. But he's downloading all the messages. And um, he's just a, a, an amazing, amazing guy. So um, I praise God um, because he's listening to this right now. Or so, uh, <laughs> will be. Uh, <laughs> and I know that God is doing such amazing things with them and through them. Um, I'm speaking on the suit of significance. And uh, that, there's Aaron, who, a significant man in a, in a kilt. <laughs> And uh, the suit of significance. Actually, a kilt is a significant suit, isn't it? It's like it's one of those things that when you wear it, people just turn and look, and it's 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 extraordinarily manly, isn't it? The the kilt is extraordinarily. I know Cheryl's like, hello, and uh, <laughs> I will I go and put my kilt on, shall I? And uh, so, <laughs> so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Maybe that was the wrong moment, and uh, <laughs> and um, so, but it is a suit. It's a suit that turns heads. It, it, it turns people. People look. It's uh, the, the kilt is a a suit of significance, and and you know there are, there are times that we have to understand what the suit of significance is, and how God has called us to be significant in the nation, significant in our cities, significant as the kingdom of God makes an impact upon the nations. Amen? Um, many years ago, um, INC uh, ran a church planting and training of leaders school in the Ukraine. And and one of our pastors, um, Rob Smiley, who's the brother of John, um, who actually was one of the first uh, pastors to plant um, a INC church um, in the UK, he moved to East Kilbride. East Kilbride is, is not the easiest of places. Um, <laughs> and uh, anyone who knows Scotland, East Kilbride is is quite tough. And actually, um, we, we always chuckle because Pastor um, Bob and Phyllis, who were our assistant pastors here for many years, um, now live down in, in Glasgow. Uh, And uh, have uh, retired some years ago. Uh, But they are a wonderful couple. The church exists because of their contribution in in supporting us and getting the work going. And Pastor Bob was an architect and town planner. And he uh, actually, one of his kind of notable things is he designed the, the roundabout. I think it's known as the Whirlies. Is that right? In, in East Kilbride, this, this is a, he designed this roundabout. It's got a, it's got a reputation. And, uh, uh, and, uh, and, and the notable thing about it is the fact that when he got engaged uh, to Phyllis, um, he, he bought her an engagement ring because it looked like the roundabout he designed. <laughs> <laughs> I said to him, "Bob, you old romantic, you!" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and he, uh, today, he actually, in his house, if you go and visit him, um, you'll find on on the bookshelf a book on roundabouts, and, uh, and and he look and he'll show it to you, and he'll laugh his head off as he goes through how funny this book is. Just looking at roundabouts, <laughs> yeah. We have great team uh, <laughs> of leaders, and uh, so we sent them away, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, But uh, with the church, um, the the school of ministries that we ran, uh, Pastor Rob, um, from his East Cool Bride, um, he uh, learnt Russian. um, And uh, God had told him to learn Russian. uh, And uh, he moved down to the south of England. He gave up his church He moved to the south of England. And for four years, he travelled two weeks on, two weeks off, in and out of the Ukraine, Uh, And uh, this is uh, 1998. He started doing this. And in 1998, KGB is still operating. Uh, It's still kind of the uh, sort of Soviet era is just come to an end. uh, And they're in that point of transition. It's a very difficult time. And he ran these training schools. And uh, and I need you to understand that, that when God raises up men for specific times and seasons... And there was a, INC had a significant impact on aiding a revival that swept the nation. Uh, And that revival saw literally thousands of churches um, established. I can't tell you how many people got saved, etc. But INC trained 7,000 pastors and leaders in four years. And we were part of that program. I remember going to the schools teaching um, and uh, teaching the pastors and leaders on 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 church planting on moving in the spirit on on ministry and 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 just some of these sort of the basic things and, uh, right from sort of not so much the theological side of things but but we were just sort of on the practical basis on on how to plant church and how to pastor even just how to pray for people uh, and and how to have a catching team um, not having guys catch women under the arms it's like <laughs> don't do that you know <laughs> and we, we saw those things go on and we were like no you're, <laughs> get that man off the stage <laughs> stringing this poor bloke off, what did I do <laughs> you know what you did <laughs> And uh, we, would, we were just teaching people how to minister, and, and it was an extraordinary time. But here's the thing, right? I tell these stories about, you know, INC, we're part of a team. We trade 7,000 pastors and leaders, and, and it's, that's an amazing story uh, of great impact. Actually, we were involved in INC, Was the, the and Pastor Rob were, were the the contributors of, of what was happening that they had these what they called unions it was kind of like uh, like uh, church um, uh, just just different church organizations but they had these unions these four different, Pentecostal church unions, but they didn't talk to each other, they didn't like each other, didn't trust each other. There was a lot of mistrust and stuff, and they had these very powerful unions that operated, and they were kind of the legal structures that, that churches had to be associated with to kind of get any sort of government... Okay, I'm not really sure how it worked, but but it was kind of like you had to be part of a union, so you got these four unions and they didn't work together. But through INC and the pastors' Training Schools, we worked with all four unions and it enabled them to come together. And I remember being at conferences and we'd have these big sort of, um, Ukrainian sort of men that looked like they had just sort of stepped out of the KGB, actually. <laughs> <laughs> just sort of taken some bloke from me, smashed him in the face and then come to church, you know. And uh, they had that kind of look about them. And uh, they um, they uh, were brought together and there was extraordinary healing of relationships. And 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 saw these men just break down and hug each other. And, and ministry was so powerful. Now here's the amazing thing about the whole story is that the part i played was was like a bit part in the whole thing right in, in 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 reality of telling the story it's like telling the it's like telling a movie it's like seeing this significant movie but the part i played if it were a movie, if the credits were rolled, it would be um, man leaning against the bar, Kevin Upton. <laughs> you know, you know that part. When you look, if you ever look at the credits, and you ever sort of uh, have that moment where you look, and then you get to the part where all the bit part players and that yeah, man walking th- across the street, you know, and you know, that was my kind of significance in it. But I was still part of a significant. Yeah. Pl- part that yeah. that changed a nation. If it, if this were a a, a a blockbuster movie, I was in it. <laughs> yeah. And and that was the that's the amazing thing about being a part of the in the kingdom of God. We get to play a part in significant things, yeah. even if we are insignificant. Yeah. Says in one Peter chapter two. And this is the most amazing thing. We're going to read, I'm going to read 1 Peter 2 verse 5 and then we're going to jump to 9 and 10. You yourselves as living stones are being built into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Verse 9, but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but have now obtained mercy. We have this extraordinary paradox where we are likened to stones. And I, I've spoken on this many times in the past, and I, I think it's one of those revelations that God has given me that that needs to be impressed upon the house, that Christians are like living stones. We're kind of like the bricks that build the houses. And I've said this before, but if you haven't heard it, you know, if I was to take a stone out of the wall of this, this building, we would all be very much aware that something's missing. Yeah. Yeah. Yet as a stone of itself, out of the building, away from the building. If you just see a stone, well, it, it's just a stone. It, it You know, it, it's okay of itself, but you could throw it in the garden. It would be either rubble or a rockery. It's as good as it gets for a stone that isn't built into a house. What other purpose do you do with it? You either, you either put it in the garden, you, you either smash it up and, and, and work it into the drive so you can put tarmac on it. Or you um, put it uh, in in the garden and you, and you plant some stupid plant on it that came from the Himalayas. And uh, it has a magnificent name, but it grows that big and it has little <laughs> pink flowers in it, uh, for about um, two weeks of the year. <laughs> and you put a lot of work in it. And that's, that's all you get out of the, a stone that isn't part of a building. And And God says you're a stone. And the only part, a way a stone gets significance is if it's part of a building. And if it's part of a building, it can be part of something which is extraordinarily significant. Yes. Mm. It plays a part, a significant part. And and a stone that is part of a building, when the stone is missing, the building falls into disrepair. Yeah. Cheryl and I, um, we took um, her mum and dad, Cheryl's mum and dad were with us um, for 10 days um, last weekend, um, they, uh, they were sort of over, over the week and went back down on Friday. We flew with them on Friday back down to Gatwick when we were going to a uh, conference. And, uh, but we took them out and we decided, you know, it's always, you've got your parents, they've been coming up for 20 years, they come up at least twice a year, and uh, for 20 years, there's not much they haven't seen, right? So where are we going to go? Let's go to Cruden Bay. We had not been to Cruden Bay. I'm like, let's go to Cruden Bay. I mean, there's nothing in Cruden Bay, to be fair, but it's a village, let's go there. And uh, so we're driving along, and we notice, and we notice Slains Castle, which I don't know if you've ever seen. If you do the drive up to Peterhead, there's Slains Castle, and it's um, it's just like this this broken down, derelict castle that's kind of, and and you can actually drive up to it. It's a it's a bit of a crazy road to drive on, Uh, but we drove up to the castle, and we get there, and you have this magnificent building that's just a wasteland. What I noticed was, I was looking at the building, it's, it's part granite and part brick and, and it's been, it's obviously over the centuries, it was obviously vastly extended. At some point, it fell into disrepair. In fact, it was around uh, the 1920s when the owner of the house, to avoid paying tax, took the roof off it. And uh, it's kind of like cutting off your nose to spite your face. It's like... So he it was a wealthy man. He could have afforded the tax, but instead he decided to take the roof off the building. And after that, people came in and started nicking stuff. And uh, and you can tell that the, the beautiful stones that would go around the windows, um, they would be stones that you would use in granite buildings. And obviously other people have come along and gone, I, I need some new ones. Mine are looking a bit worn. I might think I'll just take those. Mm-hmm. And so the building is now missing so much stuff That it is itself more or less standing rubble. Because the stones are missing. But the Bible says we are the living stones built in. Mm -hmm. Built into the magnificent temple that is the kingdom of God. And it says you yourself as living stones being built into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. The purpose of us being built together is to offer to God the sacrifice of our praise, the sacrifice of our lives, which includes um, everything that we give. The, the service of your, your serving one another, the, and the service of our worship, the service of our serving the community, the service of our finances. That is our sacrifices to God. And so these are the, the giving. We, we, are, we are united together together. But our significance is critical to be significant. It's critical that we're in the house, yeah. not out of the house. Yeah. You know, you can, a brick, as I said before, is out of the house is, is at best a, a rockery. But I've noted that you can have a pile of bricks and they're still not. Still not a house, because they're not built together. What is that? That's just a pile of bricks. It's just a pile of bricks They haven't been built together. And I, I, I want you to understand that God called us to be his house. We are his living stones. We are meant to be built together. If we are built together, we are significant together. On our own, we are isolated. On our own, you know, we live in a society that is extraordinarily obsessed with self. So much so that I don't think we even really understand how much we are being changed by it. Have you noticed how society changes your thinking a lot? How many how, older? This is a question now to older generation. How many of you remember? Going back maybe thirty years or so when it was the discussion over whether you should smack your children or not. How oh, you yeah. remember that discussion? And you remember that discussion, we're we'll always remember thinking, well, a load of idiots, that'll never pass in law. <laughs> Today, if you talk about smacking your children, they think you're an abuser. Yeah. Yeah. Society thinks the church in the church you're looking. You smacked your children? <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> Today, it's a different culture, so much so, but how did that change? Oh, just by incremental change of mm. stuff, it just changes people, people change their mind about stuff, they no longer question stuff, or, or understand the value of of why something was like it was, it was and so things shift and change. In today's society, we become become so personally obsessed with personality, obsessed with, Personal wants and desires. What is my, in the church it's become, what is my spiritual gift? What is my spiritual identity? Who am I in God? Now having an identity is important, right? It it is important, but everything has a point at which that importance stops in line with something which is more important. What's most important—the individual or the church? The person and their wants or the needs for the house? What's most important? Where does the tension lie? How do you how do you resolve that? Because the church is only lots of individuals. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do? Chase around trying to trying to please everyone individually, or does everyone individually sacrifice some of their personal for the need of the all? Sounds a bit like a uh, communist manifesto, to be honest, <laughs> but it's amazing how the world has taken <laughs> biblical principles and then completely corrupted them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, I, if I could be, I would be a capitalist socialist. I really like the values of both of those <laughs> principles, but I turn away from them where they become godless, <laughs> self-seeking, and ultimately carnal in their intent. <laughs> and both houses, both, both political, social forms of both ends are carnal in the end because they're run by people who don't value the kingdom of God. Yeah. God's kingdom brings about different principles. And here's the thing about the house of God. The house of God is the only form of significance which can change society. We were at conference and we had pleasure of the extraordinary privilege of um, being at uh, Pastor Julian. Now, many of you would know Pastor Julian. He's, he's one of the, the heroes of our INC movement. And uh, Julian... Um, was um, is actually about to be recognized um, as he 's about to be receiving an award from the mayor of Bromley um, for his services to the uh, to the district uh, and his name is going to be written in stone isn 't it it 's carved into stone and and put into the um, into the town hall. Uh, because of what he has done in, in building the community, in serving the local community, in serving the, the uh, police and the fire and the, the recognition of what he has done in building the community. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that extraordinary? That's, that's the house of God in its significance. Pastor Julian is an amazing man, but he didn't do anything without the church. I've seen everything he's done, and it was all the church. It was it was extraordinary worship. Well, Julian wasn't in the worship, even though he is a musician. He's actually one of those annoying people that can do everything. And uh, but he can't. You can't do everything on your own all the time. You look like a crazy man. Yeah. <laughs> you look like one of those guys in the streets with an ee, like that, <laughs> and you take a long, wide, going. You're, you're slightly impressed. You're always impressed with the crazy people, aren't you? There's a a point of everybody's going, wow, how do you do that? Get me away from the loony. (laughs) But Pastor Julian has built a significant church that's making such an impact where he now is being awarded this this recognition for his services to the community. One of his church um, team, um, a guy called Andrew somebody, um, got up. He is now one of the, a significant advisor to the government, number 10, in how the country's digital media and format works. It's how the government works with the digital age. And uh, I don't even know, I don't fully understand what he was <laughs> what he was actually talking about in terms of how he's changed. But he's also uh, runs the, um, he enabled the first black, um, what was it, the black kind of heritage, heritage centre, the, the country's first black heritage centre he set up and uh, in, in Brixton um, and he managed to get a building that was completely derelict, raised uh, thir- about £13 million uh, to do it up and now oversees it. And, and this guy, who was born and raised in Brixton... Yeah. Um, is now advising the government, is, is, is close friends with some of the most senior politicians and leaders of this country. Yeah. Significance, right? He, he's wearing a suit of significance. Where, where did the suit come from? It came from the house of God. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, one of the things that happened to him, um, he, because of, um, he, he writes a blog, and, uh, he just, and he said that nobody, nobody reads his blog, right, because it's a blog. Who reads blogs these days, right? Everyone likes to think, I write a blog, yeah, and no one's interested, right? and There's a few boring people that read blogs, but they only read them because they wanted you to read their blog. And, and uh, it's like people who, strangers who like your photos on Instagram, isn't it? And you're like, I know why you like that. <laughs> because you want me to like your photos, and I'm not going to. And... Uh, because I don't want to play that game, and uh, and he uh, wrote a blog of the riots. You remember the riots in 2011, and they were blaming it on Facebook and social media. And he's a Facebook, he's a social media sort of guru. And he just wrote out this blog that went, "It's got nothing to do with Facebook, nothing to do with Twitter." He said, "You, you don't put riots on Twitter and Facebook. That's that's nonsense. It's just it's the BlackBerry." Um, messaging service that they were all using he said that's what it is and the whole thing went ballistic it went so ballistic that that the uh, owners of BlackBerry were were hauled into number 10 to explain themselves and uh, because of a blog that he wrote (laughs) and they had to apologise and he's going going, I just wrote a blog I didn't mean I didn't mean to (laughs) have the directors of BlackBerry hauled into number 10 uh, and but he just pointed out something. How, what is that? What was driving his significance? What's driving his significance is his faith in Christ and his life devoted to the house of God. Mm. Now, his life is completely devoted to the church, and it's through the church that he's been able to build these connections. Mm. Now, I need you to understand there is a suit of significance that we put on, but we only put it on as we step into the house of God and recognize that this brick. That could be mistaken as as a piece of rubble. Is significant when it's in the house. Could be mistaken for rubble. But significant when it's in the house. You see. In 1 Corinthians. Chapter 12. Talks about spiritual gifts. This is where Christians go off down the. My gift. This is my gift, I have the gift of words of knowledge. I don't understand wisdom, I just know words of knowledge. <laughs> and everyone, I remember in the charismatic days when, when we discovered that there were, the, when I mean the charismatic days, it was the 1970s and, and people were talking about there are gifts we can have. Like, wow, there's a spirit world and we can minister in the life of the Holy Spirit. God, God fills us with healing power and there's healing. <gasps> Who has the gift of healing? Is it you? Or is it, is it me? <laughs> Maybe it's me. I don't know. <laughs> what is my gift? <gasps> oh, it's prophecy. <laughs> and then I have the gift of interpretation of tongues. No one can question me. (laughs) What did he say? He said he needed the toilet. (laughs) It's (laughs) it's, Everyone was like after this gift. It's like, I have a gift. But the Bible doesn't even actually, it talks about the gifts of the spirit, but actually in, in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7 it says, but the manifestations of the spirit are, And the moment you recognize it as a manifestation, you realize that God reveals Himself through anyone for any time that He needs to. He reveals Himself. And anyone willing to yield themselves to the Holy Ghost can minister in healing, can minister in faith, can minister in prophetic uh, wisdom, in prophecy, uh, interpretation. We reveal what God needs revealing because that's what we're here for. We're bricks. But the beauty of this scripture, and so the real importance of this scripture, isn't one Corinthians twelve seven onwards, which describes the gifts. Rather, it's one Corinthians twelve four, and I'm going to read it from the. We don't have the Amplified on our computer, um, but I'm going to read some the one Corinthians twelve four is going to come up on the in the New King James version. But I'm going to read it from the um, Amplified or the Exploded version. Now, for 12 verse 4 says this, Now there are distinctive varieties of spiritual gifts, special abilities given by the grace and extraordinary power of the Holy Spirit operating in believers. But it's the same Spirit, everyone say same Spirit. Same spirit. It's the same Spirit who grants them and empowers believers. And there are distinctive varieties of ministries and service. But it's the same Lord who is served. And there are distinctive ways of working to accomplish things. But it's the same God who produces all things in all believers. Inspiring, energizing, empowering them. But to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit. The spiritual illumination and enabling of the Holy Spirit for the common Good. You see that? To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit. That doesn't mean to say you're only given one specific gift. It means that to each one is given the Holy Spirit who will reveal himself in you. You've got to understand, in the house of God, to each one is given the Holy Spirit. The importance of this, and what does that mean? Does that mean that you will be like me? No, even if you have the same gift, even if you have the same calling, the Bible clearly shows us here that even in those circumstances, it will still be different because we are unique, but our uniqueness is dependent upon our unity. Are you with me here? Your uniqueness is dependent on your unity. Yes. In other words, if you want to walk in the significance of what God is doing, you have to be unified with the body to be unique in the body. It's yeah. Yeah. the extraordinary flow of how God ties us together and then reveals the wonder of uniqueness that is operating in each person individually. Yeah. There is an incredible gift that rests on your life. Yeah. Incredible work of the Holy Spirit working through you. We know that there is spiritual gifts Romans, um, sorry, uh, Corinthians twelve, and then there are ministry gifts, gifts, gifts. <laughs> there are ministry gifts Romans twelve, which is the function. Of how we minister. This is not a manifestation of supernatural life. But rather it is the exercise of the Holy Spirit enabling us to reach out and touch the lives of others. How we do that. And see, there is a suit of significance and significance is the ability to literally stand out of the crowd and draw people in. It's the ability to touch and change people's lives. You ought to understand, this church is a significant house that is touching and changing people's lives. God wants you to wear the suit. And as you are united in the house, as you are Touched by the anointing of the Holy Spirit as it flows, as He flows through your life, as He thro- flows through this church, what happens is this, as we yield to Him, what are we yielding for? For the blessing of others. Why do we prophesy? So that we feel good? <sighs> wow, that would be incredibly selfish, wouldn't it? Yeah extraordinarily selfish. It is a wonderful thing to be able to bring a prophetic word which which touches a person's life. But here's the thing, right? I've brought many, many hundreds of prophetic words over the years and I'm kind of blessed by the moment of them, but the words that touch people, they are gear changers. They're like life-changing moments. They're significant. It's a lot more important to the person who receives it than the person who, who gives it. That's the, the power of the word. So, so it isn't for me, even though I'm blessed in it. Yeah. What God has got for you isn't for you. You are blessed in it. It is for your brother and sister. Yeah. It's for the person that is around you. And the Bible goes from Corinthians 12 to Corinthians 13, which is all about love. Yeah. is the amazing thing about love. This is it. If you want to know how a, a, a relationship works, right? We have our own wants and desires in love, don't we? The need. We have a, a uh, it was, uh, has been described as a love tank. I have a love tank. I have a tank that needs love. <laughs> and Cheryl, is her responsibility is to fill my life with love. And if she doesn't, I remind her. <laughs> You're not loving me, darling. She's not feeding me. And, uh, but here's the thing, right? My, my security, my wholeness, my, my life in my marriage is dependent on Cheryl's love for me. So, the only way I'm going to receive love is if I give love. Yeah. So, and the only way, if I give love, then I'm going to receive love and so we become totally interdependent On the benefits of ministering to one another. That's what love is. God so loved the world. Mm -hmm. He created in his sacrifice, he created an interdependence Mm -hmm. of he gave his life that we might be the church that would reach the lost. We reveal our love to him by loving the lost and ministering to them. And he reveals his love to us as we serve Him so He meets our need and takes care of all of the things that we need, the things that we want, the things we dream of, and so there's this interdependent relationship with the Holy Spirit. God ministers to us. And we minister to Him. We, we serve His purpose. That's just that's just love. That's, the Bible says the greatest of these... These three remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. And so we see that that significance, which can seem so kind of a little self-indulgent, really. Well, We're not here to be self-indulgent. We're here to stand up and go, look how incredible the church is. How incredible the message of grace is. Look how incredible God's love is. Is. Look how incredible. And in being in 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 championing, is that word champ champion? champion yep. Championing. <laughs> in championing the kingdom of God, the life of the church, the people in the church, what you discover is that your life becomes a significant part. Of somebody else's breakthrough. Your yes. life becomes yes. significant yes. in the story that is being yes. told. I'm, I'm amazed at how God has privileged us to be the part of so many miracles. Here's the thing about you can be a part of those miracles. You say, oh, it's all right for you. You're the pastor. Well, I wasn't always a pastor, right? I wasn't always a pastor, you want to serve God, if you want to give your life to the kingdom of God, just, just be ready to just love others. Yeah. Just give your life in loving others. Yeah. And here's the thing for your life, right? The gift and the call of God makes room for you. God opens doors, not man. Yeah. Yeah. God places you in the right... See, the brick can't say where the brick should be laid. Yeah. The brick is just laid. The bricks in the, in the in the brick pile. It's the builder that determines where the brick goes. Yeah. To let God determine. I, as Cheryl, I've often said, we thought we thought we were going to, go to Spain. There was obvious reasons why we thought we were going to Spain. It's sunny. <laughs> it's warm. It's romantic, in that kind of not necessarily lovey-dovey romantic. It's just romantic. It's just like, wow, Spain, the call of God. Oh, Rioja wine, (laughs) salsa. Is that Spanish or is that that Mexican? I don't know. (laughs) It's tasty, tasty. yeah, yeah. We don't care. All of those things. All right, salsa sauce, yeah. I make salsa sauce. Awesome. I do loads of garlic in it. Mm. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Let's stand up, shall we? Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.